Martha Knight is a traveler with a photographer's untrained natural eye. Her photos are absolutely breathtaking. Hello, and welcome to An Unknown Adventure, podcast number 44. I'm your host, Kimberly Ann, and today I'm talking to travel photographer extraordinaire Martha Knight. My super quick update is that I'm in Southern California visiting family for Thanksgiving. I am not a holiday person, but I hadn't seen my mom or sister in over two years because of the pandemic. So here I am. And for a couple of weeks, I'm out of my van, which has been interesting. On one hand, it's amazing to have running water and electricity again, as my batteries are still having some issues and not holding a charge. But I'm also not in my comfy, happy place. And it was overcast and windy, but now it's sunny. And I was missing the heat of Arizona just a little bit, even though I had been complaining about the heat while I was there. I do post my day-to-day and past fun times on my Instagram at myunknownadventure. So please follow me there. And now, come meet Martha Knight. Today we're here with Martha Knight, and Martha, if you can tell us where you are in the world right now and a little bit about yourself, please. Okay, sure. Hi, I'm in London in the UK, and I guess we're just still coming out of our third lockdown here, so I'm like desperate to get out traveling because traveling is what I've always done as a passion, and I've quite recently started to try to make it also my work. So I've started travel writing and a blog and I'm trying to balance that right now with day job and paid work, but super keen to get out of the UK and go somewhere different because it's been a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have had it pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's been so up and down. So many peaks and troughs and I think we're doing okay with the vaccine and I've had half the vaccine and I'm hoping to have the other half in a couple of weeks. And after that, I might be able to go outside of the UK. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. So can you tell, we were talking a little bit uh, before I started recording about how COVID really got you into the travel writing. Is is that what you meant? And then how that is like a dream that you've always had? Yeah, it's funny because I always thought I'd be a writer when I was like younger, you know, at school. And I always had this passion for travel. And I did my first big trip back packing around Europe when I was 18 I dragged my friends with me on this trip across like Europe and um, I always thought wouldn't it be amazing to have a career as a travel writer but it didn't ever seem like it was a realistic thing and leaving university with debts and stuff like that I just thought I have to get a proper job and so I did and and so I've had proper jobs that turned into big sort of corporate careers in for the last 20 years and All the way through, people have said, oh, why don't you do something with your travel photography or why don't you do something with your travel writing? But it never felt realistic. And by then I was earning a decent amount of money. So then it felt like it would be this big sacrifice. And I just couldn't see a way that it would work. And COVID forced me to take a different route because my company that I was working for was really badly affected by COVID. And in the UK, we had this government scheme they call furlough where companies that were really struggling they could put their staff on furlough rather than making them redundant so that happened to me and I was put on furlough in April last year for a few months and I just didn't have anything to do there was a weird sense of lack of purpose like I wasn't allowed to work I was looked after I had my bills were going to be paid and that was okay but I just didn't have anything to do plus I had massive cabin fever because we weren't allowed to go anywhere so I just 
I, my, the coping mechanism that I found was Instagramming and I was just trying to deal with being locked up or locked down in uh, London with dreaming about all the other places I'd been in the world that were far more interesting, exhilarating places. Like it was just easier to cope with being here if my mind was in like the salt flats of Bolivia or like the glacial lagoons of Iceland. So I was just Instagramming photos from those kind of places and sharing memories, trying to relive the memories because it was helping me and found more people who liked that. And I was finding, you know, more and more like-minded people and people seemed to be responding to what I was doing. So I was getting interested in that and it became like a little project to be building an Instagram account and a following. And then it became apparent I was going to be made redundant, not just furloughed because the company was struggling. So I thought, oh, well, I have to find another job then. And I was properly looking for another job, but of course the job market was awful and there really wasn't anything out there and in the end I realized there was a demand for freelance work in what I do and it started to the penny slowly dropped that well I could I could work less than full-time if I'm doing this freelance work it's slightly better paid I can choose what projects I work on what I don't and maybe what I could do is start to really put some time to seriously look at travel writing and creating a blog to write properly about travel and use my photography in that. So that's basically what I've been doing for the last few months. So that's in some respects, that's my big dream. So I'm right at the beginning of it. So I don't know that I've achieved it, but I've started on the journey and it's so exciting. I've never felt like in 20 years of work, I've never felt like such a passion for the work that I'm doing. It doesn't feel like work, even if I'm doing long hours and doing lots and lots of work. It's quite enlightening to realise that I've got that passion for it and I feel like it feels good I feel like it'll carry me through if you know what I mean oh yeah that's great that's that's like where you hit the not your stride but your purpose like you said yes. you know, just yes. yeah so I have to ask you about your photography did you study photography because your photography is mm. amazing oh thank you so much no I love taking photographs and I think I don't really know much about the technical side of photography at all in fact most of the photographs on my Instagram are taken with a phone their iPhone photos but I think I, I'm keen to learn more I started studying it a little bit now to learn more about it I think I just love the subject so much like I love the places so much I try really hard to try and capture it so I just try lots and lots of different angles and take a million photographs and then I've got chances are the more photographs I take the chances are some of them look good I think basically <laughs> Well, I think you're a natural because I studied, I was a filmmaker for, well, in TV, but for film, I had my degree in film and then I worked in television for 15 years and you definitely have an eye. I can tell you that because there's a specific way you, you're supposed to set up photos and there's a whole, it's technical, like with the lighting and everything. And you're just a natural, you're just doing it. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. But also if you study too much, maybe... I don't know if you'd lose that. I don't know what to call it, that your natural instincts or if you if, or if you'll get even better. I don't know. It's interesting you say that because when I have started doing an online course and it's all about the very technical stuff to do with apertures and ISO and the first few photographs I started taking after I did, they were all crazy bad, like <laughs> awful, where I was just getting it wrong because I was paying so much attention to the technical side rather than... I guess, just trying to find the image. It was strange. But yeah, I did I did read that sometimes people go through a curve where they get worse before they get better when they yeah. start to really learn the technical yeah, stuff. And I'm just but thank you for your feedback. I'm just wondering if you even need to study it because you're already a natural at it. Honestly, well, I, you're really good. 
Oh, I think that what I found is just taking them with a phone, like with an iPhone, it works really well in good light. But if you don't have good light, then you don't get good photos at all. Right. So I'm keen to see if I can just learn a little bit more about using an SLR, because I guess it just gives you more range and you can account for light better, I think. That's yeah. And then you could take evening pictures and have your aperture open longer. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or larger, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'm terrible with the technical part. I was a producer, so I just... <laughs> I always feel like I, I I don't need to know everything. I just need to know enough to account for things like that, that you're saying, like if it's dark or if it's evening. You, I just want to know enough that I, I've got more range. Your eye is so good. When I went to film school, I learned specific ways to take photos and you're naturally doing it. I don't just say stuff like that to people unless I mean it. <laughs> like, and the, this one photo of this gentleman... It's in the middle in Cuba. Oh, yeah. 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 Wow. Wow. You could, just a suggestion, try some portraits because you've got a talent. You really do. You really, I'm I'm not just saying that to say it. It's true. So I think that, yeah, but if you just keep doing it, it's like anything. It's like writing. You can take a thousand million classes. I know I have. And then unless you do it, you're not going to learn. Yeah, I think. And interestingly, like I... Because I try, I edit a little bit. Like my approach to editing photographs is like how I think about makeup. Like I think a good sum is good because it can just enhance what you've got. But like too much that covers everything and turns it into something that's not really anything like what it should be. Yeah. Like that's too much. So I edit a little bit, and I've found that even if I, as I've been doing it more over the last year, like I pick up on much more now. I notice flaws more in in an image than I used to notice and I know I I feel like I've got a different sense of composition than I used to have just from practice Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and what are you what are you editing on oh I I actually only use like the apps on my phone so I use just the the native photo app for some editing and then I think the one that's built into Instagram is really good oh I didn't even know there was built into Instagram Yeah, there's there's like quite a lot of settings that you can do there, and they've got some fairly intelligent. I don't use filters, but like I might put a little bit of lux in it. They have lux in the Instagram app. I might adjust like the contrast a little bit, stuff like that. Cool, you're doing a really good job. Thank you. So also, we were going to talk about traveling. Well, I want to talk about. I want to ask you about traveling to all the extraordinary places that you traveled to so far, and if you have a favorite. Yeah, it can vary day by day, depending on what my mood is. I think, though, that the place that kind of I feel myself like longing to return to most is Namibia in southern Africa. I feel like I left like a little part of my soul in Namibia and it's calling me back in a strange way. And I quite often just think about being in the wilds of the Namib desert with the wind blowing and just think like, oh, that'd be so amazing to go back there. Wow. And so is that what you liked about it? Just the the vastness and the landscape and the... Yeah, that was a really big part of it. Yeah, just how big it is. It's got these wide open spaces and really dramatic landscapes, you know, like craggy mountains and canyons. And then, of course, this huge expanse of sand dunes. I think, yeah, it's something about big, empty spaces somehow I find that really invigorating, really inspiring. And there's a lot of them in Namibia. It's really beautiful, like brutal beauty. That's how I think about it. Like quite often it can be really barren. It feels inhospitable, but somehow it's really beautiful to me. Wow. That's Mm. cool. That's really cool. (laughs) Did 
Do you travel alone? Are you a solo traveler? I do sometimes. Mainly I travel with my husband and he has some similar taste to me in travel. So he also likes the big, exciting landscapes. He's not so much into the city breaks. So I have often traveled solo, but I tend to only go to sort of cities. And so far, I've only been to Europe traveling solo. I think I'm a bit worried about safety. So I haven't traveled too further afield, but likely to do more of that because I want to travel more than he wants to travel, I think. Yeah. No, I understand that. Now, did you loved Croatia? I loved your, your shop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely dreamy. Yeah, really loved it. I was sailing there. So it's so gorgeous on the water of the Adriatic. It's amazing. And then Bolivia? Yeah, I wasn't there that long, but it's it's another place I'd like to go back. I was there about maybe just less than a week. And the thing that the place that really captured my imagination was the, the salt flats, the Uyuni salt flats. They're like the biggest salt flats in the world and they're just surrounded by volcanoes and it's just hundreds and hundreds of kilometers of just white. That again, somehow to me was just absolutely thrilling. And I was only there 24 hours because I was trying to fit it into a trip. I'd been in Peru oh. and tagged on as much of Bolivia as I could in, in maybe five, six days. But I feel like I should have been there longer. So I'm thinking about whether I can get back there at some point in the future. Yeah. And if you like dramatic spaces, that's probably what led you to Iceland too. Yeah, exactly. It's weird because I think of Namibia and Iceland as being really similar, even though Namibia is all dry and hot and Iceland's all cold and wet. But they've both got these huge, big dramatic landscapes formed by the elements over millions of years. So, yeah, there's something similar. And again, that brutal beauty, I think. I love just being on like those black sand beaches in Iceland and it's cold and the wind's strong and the, I don't know, it just feels so like elemental, like just so white surf and black sand. Oh, I don't know. It really gets me. Like an invigorating feeling of being alive in the elements. Yeah. For me, like pain brings me back to my body and feeling alive. Pain's not fun, but there's that element there. And that's what it reminded me of being out in the elements with this blowing wind. Yeah. And you can't, you have to be present. Yeah, because it's so visceral. It's Yeah, like the elements are really telling you that they've got power and that they're in control in some kind of way. So yeah, it really feels powerful to just to be there witnessing it. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if you could make a list of all the places that you, you could experience that. I know, I, I do have a list. <laughs> I have a, like a list of my, my wish list of all the interesting places I want to go. And it's increasingly landscapes and environments like that, where there's something either really stimulating to look at or experiential. Like I'm really keen to go down to the to Patagonia in either Chile or, or Argentina, because they've got those really dramatic mountains and those bright blue glaciers. I think that would be amazing. Yeah, I would also recommend Guilin, the Guilin region in China. And maybe even Mongolia, yeah. like that. But there, there are these yeah. mountains in Guilin, not in the city, but in the countryside that are by the Lijiang River, the Dragon River. And the mountains are, your heart stops. They're so gorgeous. And they're just surrounding you. They're the mountains they, that all the masters painted. They're really famous, but right. they're not everywhere in the world. And they're there. And it's just, yeah. And you sit in a little boat and you go down the, the river and you're surrounded by these amazing, amazing. Oh, sounds 
Yeah, okay, that's on my list then. Yeah, I would add that too. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you find when you're when you were working full time, how did you find the balance between traveling and work? I was always just trying to maximize the sort of annual leave that I was allowed from work. So I would always sort of travel at least three times a year, probably. And it was almost like to get me through, I needed booked in at least three months time, you know, like that I could be looking forward to and I'd be planning all the time, basically, which is a sign, isn't it, that you're not necessarily doing the thing that you really love doing if you're so desperately craving escape from it uh, yeah. all of the time. But yeah, that's how I do it. So I'd probably be traveling, I don't know, maybe four or five, probably at least four weeks in a year and always wanting it to be longer. And if you're able to move into freelance full-time for and what is your profession so I'm in like customer insight it's like research and analysis to try to help companies understand their customers so they can deliver better for them basically so yeah I can I'm basically working freelance um, now so I in theory have control over how many projects I take on, how much I work. Although I've just made the classic rookie mistake of saying yes to too much and I've been like crazy busy. <laughs> I know the whole point was to have a better balance and to be able to do more on the travel writing, but I've actually been working a ridiculous amount over the last few weeks because I just didn't plan. Yeah. <laughs> but you learn from that and you won't do that again. Yes, I definitely won't do that again. Yeah, yeah for sure. And with all the money you make, you can save it and travel. I have my eye on returning to Iceland. They're doing all right, I think, with the vaccine. And from the UK, we can travel there right now. And oh. I'll, as I said, I'll have my second shot of the vaccine soon. So I'm eyeing a, a return trip to Iceland. And how long did you go around the whole island? I didn't. No, I last time I went, we did quite a lot in the south and southeast. And then we went into the, I think it's called Snaefell's Peninsula in the west, mainly because based on my research, the, the places I was most interested in were there. So mm. we technically had enough time to go all the way around, but I, I instead focused on those areas. I wanted to go to all the glaciers and the glacial lagoons and all of that stuff, which most of that is south. Oh, okay. Yeah. It just seems like there's a lot to do and a lot to see. And I was yeah. following one YouTuber that did, or a couple that did rented a van there because there's oh, a, yeah. a company has these great, like fully equipped vans. And then you can drive yeah. around the whole Island. You could do like a 10 day or a two week or whatever. Yeah. There's literally one road. They call it highway one. I think it literally goes around the entire <laughs> Island. <laughs> It's very easy to na to navigate Iceland. You're not going to get lost. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and what did you think about the city? I forget the name of the main city there. Reykjavik. Yes. Uh, it was okay. It's the capital city, but Iceland's not very heavily populated. So it's probably got more of a small town feel than a city. And it was fine. We went there. We did some whale watching, which you can do from Reykjavik. Um and we had a good look around the city. There's a really interesting looking cathedral there that's very spiky and biking. And yeah, it's got a, it's got a lot of charm and like good food and good seafood there as well. It's not like it's not somewhere you'd have a city break. It's I think it's somewhere you'd go if you're going to explore the countryside. Right. It's a sort of starting point. Yeah, it's on my top 10 list. Uh -huh. <laughs> so we have to talk about traveling as an introvert. OK, let's do that first. 
traveling yeah. as an introvert. What yeah, I just wrote a, yeah, it's a funny one. That was the post I was most nervous about publishing so far that I've written because I just thought I'm, it's probably the most personal and that it's really revealing more about me and my personality. And I felt like some people won't understand this. They'll just think I'm some weird antisocial shy person or something like that. But I just always feel like people talk about traveling in these ways that are really actually only the ways I think extroverted people would think about traveling. There's this sense of the best part about traveling is the friends you make on the road and I'm always thinking I'm not there to make friends at all. That's so far from my sort of intent when I travel. I'm really looking for those experiences like we were talking before about like how a place can make you feel. That's something that I'm really driven by when I travel Um, and the idea of group trips to me is an absolute nightmare. I think I'm probably just slightly more introverted than the average introvert. That's certainly what all my personality tests at work always say. They will put me on the far end of the scale. And like, it, I just find it draining. It's that whole classic thing about being introverted is about where your energy comes from. And I need to get energy from within and from a close group of people that I really love. And apparently I get it from environments and landscapes and things like that. It's hard work for me to be meeting people and talking to people I don't know and and especially because I do all that with work I think when I travel I really don't want to do any of that I don't want to talk to people very much I'm, I'm much more interested in people who are local to somewhere that I'm at and I'm very uninterested in other travelers and it sounds so bad and I know it sounds really antisocial and I guess that it is but it really is hard work it really drains my energy to do it and I feel like I have to give myself permission to recognize what makes me tick and how I need to keep my own energy balanced. And so I've basically been trying to give myself a break and say, it's okay to recognize you're not going to be social and it's okay to opt out of that and to find ways to have a really good time for yourself when you travel and not follow the pattern that it seems like everyone else follows, which is let's all make friends and spend time getting to know each other. So really I was trying to write a post that was honest about that journey and about that recognition that, I think I have a different set of needs when I travel and and it's hard for me to follow that path of let's all make friends and get to know each other on the road. So I would rather find my own path and do my own thing. And this is how I go and do it. So I wrote this post called Six Travel Coping Strategies for Traveling as an Extreme Introvert. And it's interesting because I've heard... I haven't had anyone tell me I'm a weirdo, which is what I was afraid of. That was my fear that people would say, who's this antisocial weirdo? Um, But I've had people sort of say, yeah, I relate to that. I'm the same. And I think that perhaps there's a lot of people who do feel that way, but we are the kind of people who wouldn't necessarily talk about it (laughs) because we're introverted. (laughs) So it goes unsaid. There's more of us that have that in common perhaps than I would have realized. Yeah. I think that you're right about that. And I think everyone's lifestyle is different. Everyone's travel style is different. And there's a lot of value to putting your travel style out there because like you said, there's going to be people that feel the same way that aren't going to say anything. And then now they're not going to feel like weirdos. They're going to be like, okay, this is totally (laughs) normal. And it is normal. It's normal and it's valid. And your experience is, is your experience. And I think taking care of yourself is more important than worrying. Well, it's always more important than worrying about what other people think. Not that we can stop doing that, but putting yourself first and your needs first, which is what you're doing. 
And I think that even, so I'm on the, the cusp, I'm pretty extroverted. Like I make friends, my joke is I can have a conversation with the wall, but that might just be because I talk a lot, but <laughs> I make friends really easily. However, in order to, for me to get my energy back, I have to be alone. I also Pardon. am, if I'm in a group of people, I get really drained quickly and I need to retreat. And I just think it's so powerful, isn't it? When you recognize what you need, whatever it is, and, and not all introverts are the same and not all extroverts are the same. We've all got our own sort of unique sort of way that we're calibrated. So I just feel like it's empowering to recognize it's okay to go after what you need in, in this kind of situation and to prioritize yourself, like you said. It's yeah, good. and I, I've met some people, very few, that get energy from being around other people. And that okay. is so confusing to me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm completely the opposite. It's not that I don't like other people. It's just that it costs me something. Mm -hmm. And depending on whether I've got it to give, I have to make that choice. And I do wonder for me whether it will be different now that I'm working differently because I used to be in the kind of corporate environment, managing teams, managing stakeholders. You've got to play politics all the time. So I feel like perhaps even more than was my natural sort of state when I traveled after working in that environment, I was seeking solitude. I was right. really craving a, a chance to recharge my batteries. So it was, it was even harder, I think, to entertain the idea of getting to know people. So I wonder if it'll be different going forward. Maybe I won't have quite such a real need to be alone when I travel. Maybe I'll end up with a slightly different balance. And I think having a job, because I also had a job where I was giving just giving all day to people. Mm -hmm. And I was in the healthcare profession, so they needed me. Oh, okay. And it was just yeah. give. And then I would come home and the times that I had a partner, I couldn't give to them because mm -hmm. I just gave all day and they would want something. Yeah. And I would just be like, F off because I, I, I couldn't even give to myself. Yeah. And That's yeah, tough. it makes it really hard to just focus on any other, on your own needs and the needs of your friends and family. Yeah, yeah, that's a really <laughs> tough situation. That's really tough, yeah. Yeah, but for you too, if you're in this managing environment, you <clears> have <throat> to be like the boss of all these people and you have to be yeah. there for whatever they need, whenever they need it. Yeah, yeah. That was often the hardest part of it for me was being available, like knowing I'll make their life harder if I am not available now. And I don't want to do that. I want to make their life easier. So I'll keep trying to find a way to be available and to give. And it is exhausting. Yeah. And it makes your life harder in the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have to wrap up or I don't want to, I have to wrap up in a few minutes, but I didn't sure. ask you about any challenges and failures. I feel like we did talk about some of that, but is there anything, any more that you wanted to share? Specifically around travel writing and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Or traveling. I, I guess traveling. I don't, mm, there's probably just some things that I'm afraid of. I feel like I probably need to get over. And I think the last year realizing that I've overcome some challenges is quite empowering because it makes me feel like there's other more I can overcome as well. But yeah, there's, there's certain things, like a funny one is I don't know how to drive. I never learned how to drive. So mm. there's certain things that I just can't, I feel like I can't do. I can't travel on my own to certain places if you ideally need a car to get around. So that's something that I definitely feel like I need to address at some point in order to sort of be fully independent. You can, you can 
get buses and hire cars and you know drivers and all sorts of things but I think that would be actually a really empowering thing to do I've just got to work out how to fit that in around <laughs> around the, the the two two jobs that I've effectively got right now and maybe right now is not the time but in the future yeah it's definitely on my list it's definitely on my list that's interesting yeah, and if you don't need to drive, if you want to do it, obviously you should. If you don't need to, I guess it like... just feels like a limit. It didn't used to feel like a limit in a way because I just always felt like oh, I don't need to learn to drive because I live in London and we've got public transport. And but now I'm thinking slightly differently about wanting to travel more. I'm thinking, yeah, that could hold me back in some areas, and I don't want to be held back. So I'll mm-hmm. have to address that. And basically, what it is, I've become afraid of it. Because I, it's been so long and I've never learned. And now I'm in my 40s. I'm thinking, gosh, I've never been in charge of a big machine that could that could crash into things. So I have a fear about it. So I, I have to deal with that, I think, and, and just push through and do it anyway. Yeah, and start small, obviously, you know, like driving around a parking lot. Yeah, yeah, I think someone, and maybe outside of London. London's not a good oh, place yeah. to start driving. I think maybe I'll go somewhere else with this fewer angry drivers <laughs> yeah good point like maybe Iceland <laughs> Iceland, yes that would be amazing <laughs> it's just that one road it'll be right. really easy <laughs> exactly. totally and then my last question is always what would you tell your younger self if you could impart one little nugget of wisdom oh that's good I think it would be something about don't compare I think for a really long time, I determined how I felt about myself by how I was doing versus other people, like whether I was progressing as fast or earning as much or some other kind of totally random measure of success in inverted commas. And I feel like that's been really crippling and just working out what is your path and your passion and your way forward is so freeing. So it would be something along those lines. Stop comparing. You don't have to measure up to what anyone else is doing. That isn't even a thing. Mm-hmm. Just follow your yourself. Be true to yourself. That's great. I like yeah. that. That's helpful. And where can people find you? So my Instagram is just my name, Martha Knight uh, with a K. I don't know why I always say Martha Knight with a K because I've never met anyone else called Knight, which wasn't spelled with a K, but I always say it. People always ask know. if I don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Martha Knight's my Instagram and my blog, which is pretty new, is called May Cause Wonderlust. Nice. And so how's it May doing? Wonderlust.com. Well, it's early days, so I have small numbers of visitors so far, but it is showing signs of growth. They say it takes a long time to build up SEO and all that kind of stuff, but it's showing signs of growth. So I'm going to take that. That's exciting. I'm glad that you're doing yeah. that. Thank you. you. It's it's strange. It did, I think I feel like it was not a risk I would have taken before. I would have felt like don't put yourself out there that much. That's scary. What if it fails? Whereas I don't feel like that now. I think screw it. Let's just do it. Yeah, and if it fails, yeah, exactly, still, yeah. exactly. It's still a learning experience. And do you have your photographs on your website or just on Instagram? No, I put my photographs on the website. Yeah, I try to feature that quite a lot. So yeah, they'll be on both. Yeah. Okay. Good. Keep taking those photographs. Thank you. I really appreciate your encouragement on that. That's been really great. <laughs> yeah, I was like, my my jaw was on the floor when I saw them. They're really, they are really awesome. good. Really good. And thank, thank you for being here. It's been really great to chat with you. <laughs> yeah, you too, Martha. Thank you and have a great rest of your evening. Cheers. Thank you. 
Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye.